The Money Show. Other people's money. Oh, there we go. Other people's money is brought to you by Outsurance. Remember to SMS the word OUT to 44208 and see how much you can save on car insurance or ask for 500 rand if you don't. And they'll give it to you. That's other people's money on a Monday. Our guest this evening is Andile Khalisiwe, media personality. Now, long before she became the host of one of South Africa's most successful reality shows, Kumbele Kaya, Andile Khalisiwe's voice used to be the life and soul of the party. Street bashes, clubs, that's the, the sort of thing she used to do. She took the local music industry by storm and she released her first single called Abuti. It's basically an ode to a brother. And if you, anybody who's got a brother, big or small, that brother's going to drive you up the wall. Here's the song. Oh, what, what's the What's the backstory? What's the backstory, Anita, to that? Because that's only 1999. That's a lifetime ago. Come on, Bruce. It was nobody's brother, believe it or not. So there was no one in mind. It was a figment of my imagination. <laughs> well, you, you seem you grasp public imagination completely with that song because people related to it hugely because everybody's got the yeah. annoying sibling um, who makes their life hell. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I there's no backstory. Telling me. It, I have people to this day telling me, we made a baby to your song. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, it was that song at, at its time. Uh, and so you've created lots of happy families out of that particular song. Where did you grow up? Where, where, was, where was childhood spent? So I was born in Middlelands in Zone 4, Piri Piri Street um, in Soweto. And I grew up there, but not only there, I think most parts of Soweto. Um, I lived in Orlando West, right next to Vilagazi Street. Um, I lived in Chablani Flats, which is deep Soweto. Uh, for a brief period, also lived in in Pimville. So I'm I'm a through and through Soweto child. That's that's where childhood was for me. And how important is that heritage? I mean, Soweto has got means so much to so many people, um, and it's got such a strong sense of identity. I think. I mean, you grew up in Soweto, and yeah. it, it's never going to leave you. It's 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 true. I mean, it, Soweto was that place. I mean, we had the likes of. Um, the people's champ, uh, Maisela, the, the, the king, um, the boxer with baby Jake Matlala, you know, uh, uh, the businessman Maponya. So you mm. really grew up in a space of achievers. Um, Felicia Mabuza Sattle, also from Milliland, you know. Uh, so it, it really was very robust. And it was one of the first places or townships to go out in the streets and doi-doi if we didn't like something. So I really grew up um, in a space that was very, not, not just wild, but that was very culturally rich and very proud of being, you know, Sowetan. Um, to the point that I remember when I worked at YFM, we'd always, Kabeda was still alive, we'd always be talking down on people like DJ Fresh and, you know, Shaba from Limpopo and be like, no, the real people are from Soweto. Xenophobia <laughs> so, has yeah. got nothing on you guys. Hey, I mean, it's just like, you're not from my town, you don't count. Um, and, right. and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but that sense of that sense of identity, a really strong identity and really good and strong and honorable role models, I think is, is also so yeah. incredibly powerful about the Soweto story. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, there's no way that you can grow up in Soweto and not 
be something or be somebody. Obviously, times are different and it's hard for everyone, but the drive, the chutzpah, you know, it's there. You come from Soweto. I mean, even as a driver, I would have people telling me on the street, you drive like a taxi driver. I'm like, well, how I grew up in a rough place. I mean, Soweto is a mix of all of those things. <laughs> so if you're really a good driver, you would have driven next to a taxi driver who's crazy and managed to dice them and get in, you know, in front or ahead. So, yeah. Um, and and to talk to me about childhood. Was it a was it a comfortable childhood? You certainly seem to have moved a lot. I mean, was 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 your family upwardly mobile? Uh, what, what what was that like? <laughs> upwardly mobile black people. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, look, it, it was a middle class family, and um, we did definitely move. I mean, I was born to a young lady who, at the time, was also you know, in the industry as a model. Um, she did acting here and there. and But mostly, I was brought up by my grandmother. Um, and, and in fact, even when that tragedy happened when I was a little girl and I was raped by my biological father, it was at a time where I was in between places, living with my mom and living with my granny. Um, so, I mean, I'll say this. My childhood was, it, it lacked nothing. It was the best childhood I've ever had. Yes, tragedy happened because life is life and you cannot predict everything. And I guess part of that tragedy formed who I am today as a wholesome human. So, yeah, um, it was a good childhood. I did move a lot. Uh, I also ended up going to a school in Nelspreet uh, because of the riots in Soweto, came back and then was one of the first class in, um, in Joburg, Johannesburg Girls High that was then turned to a Model C school, then later called Barnato Park High. So I was that first class of, of those students there. So, yeah, I, I have a colorful whole teenage life. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, and again, I mean, that, that abuse that you suffered as a, young, as a young girl, I mean, it is something that shapes you to this day. And, I mean, tragically, um, you know, abuse yeah. is more yeah. commonplace now even than it was when you were growing up. And, I mean, it, it has formed you into a very, very active campaigner. Yeah, oh, most definitely. And I always say I, I'd take, uh, you know, advice any day from someone who's been, who's walked a little, not even a mile, who's walked a little couple of steps in my shoes, not to say that if you went to school because you're empathetic and you want to, you know, assist uh, rape survivors that I wouldn't listen. But I feel like that personal experience, um, there's things that are unspoken that cannot be said, maybe just feelings, emotions, you know, that you have to go through and, and kind of overcome. And I think that's what made me so, you know, steadfast in doing this work that I still do to this day. Even though at some point, especially because I'm in the media, I've had to kind of bottle that part of my life and be like, look, guys, you can call me whatever. My title is, there's a lot I've done and I'm still doing. Um, I'm not just a rape survivor. You know, there's other people whose voices that you need to hear. Then I consciously took that decision to say, I'm not going to take any more interviews about gender-based violence. I'll continue to do what I do in my corner. But let's, let's hear from others, you know, because this is a South African problem. In fact, it's an international problem we saw with the Me Too campaign. So, Talk- yeah, I, I guess it's my scars. Yeah. Yeah. But you've had extraordinary public success as well. Um, and Kumbhile Kaya, I mean, is quite the most astonishing success as a reality show. I mean, how did that brief yeah. come across your desk? How did you get the gig? Ooh. 
that story is the funniest. I was doing uh, a show called MTV Based Uncensored um, for Urban Brew Studios, and I was just there, not even as a presenter. I'd never done anything on television. Um, had done a little bit of radio, and then... And I'd always said to myself, I love broadcasting, but I will never, ever stand in front of a camera and read somebody's words. That was always me. I am a thinker. I will say what I feel. And then this audition came and I was like, I, I don't do auditions. And they're like, no, we think you could be a fit and so on. And so I did this audition and they said I should speak everything in Zulu. And that was hard. <laughs> that was so hard because everything is English. You know, the school I've been to is English. If it's not English, it's Sotita. So then eventually they say, okay, speak like Zola Seven. So there's me trying to mix Zulu, Tosi, and English. It was a dismal fail. And then they did my audition. They called me back. They're like, oh, you have the job. I'm excited. A week later, oh, no, sorry, you don't have the job. I'm like, what? Like, no, sorry, they picked someone else. A week later, they call me again. Oh, no, now you definitely have the job. I was like, wow, okay. And that's where then I proceeded to like, okay, I need to respect this language. I did not study it in school, but I did tackle it. I did grow up. I speak Zulu at home, but not as fluently as I would like it to be represented on TV. And so I went looking for books like Ngolobane and others and read. I mean, I, I think that first season is when I, I read. And then after that, Everything just came back naturally, and I've been doing that, you know, since. Talk to me about money. Are you any good with it? Do you manage money well? I do. I do. I think, I think I'm a saver. I have a fetish for shoes. But I think I do a lot of good things with money, too. <laughs> like what? What good and, things do you do with money? <laughs> like buying property. Um, like making sure, for instance, I don't have what they call accounts. I don't have such things in my life. If I don't have the cash to buy it, I will save up for it and I wait. So everything else that I have, I would buy cash. Or, I mean, an account would be like a DSTV kind of thing. I would have that. But beyond that, I don't like that. I also don't like credit cards. I've had... You know, my banker tell me, oh, no, you qualify for a black card. You qualify for a credit card. You qualify. Like, no, thank you. Um, I believe in the relationship of money. I don't like cards. I don't like bank cards. I feel like they take us away from the energy of money. So I like cash in my, in my, in my purse. Um, I like to touch the money and feel it. So I do things. I make products. And when I've gotten my, my money from the, the health shop, I get that money and I go to my prayer space and I put it down and I say a prayer and I'm thankful for it and then I can put it in a bag if I want to. But yeah, I don't, I mean, it, life is moving with the times, I guess, technology and so on, but I really feel like we're losing the, the, the energy with money. And for me, if you, if you want that money, you've got to touch that money, feel that money, call that money. <laughs> and it's very old school. I mean, it, it's, uh, and the thing is, is. when you, when you spend a hundred rand in and in, in yeah. that lovely purple note, um, it's a completely different yeah. experience to swiping a credit card and spending a hundred bucks. It's easy when you swipe a card because it's not money. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like money. Of course. Does that does that help you keep control? It does because also Bruce, I, I I was I was trapped in that at some point. You would swipe and swipe and swipe and swipe, and then also I'd then be fearful. I wouldn't want to read my bank statements. I wouldn't want to see how much I've spent. I wouldn't want to 
check, you know, if that SMS comes through my phone, fine, it came through my phone. But I'm not really going to sit there and then check it out. And I don't know what happened to me one day. And I was like, no, I don't like that. I must have been watching some talkie on, on, on YouTube or something. And I was like, no, actually, I'm going to change this. And that's also when I started picking up, oh, people actually can double debit you and they know it and they're not going to say anything about it until you raise it. Oh, and then there's these also these fake debits that come through. And if you don't notice, you won't know. You'll, you know, you'll know that, oh, you have 50 bucks and suddenly you have 10 cents and you don't know how. And so I, I feel like having that relationship with money and, um, you know, touching it, feeling it, giving somebody money in exchange for change. There's something, there's power there. For me, there's magic there. And it just means that you are present with, with that money. You're present with that energy, you know, and it's a reciprocal, that law of reciprocity. So it works for me. Um, outside of um, outside of uh, property, do you have any other investments? Do you buy shares? Do you have retirement annuities? Do you invest in that traditional way? Do you uh, do you mm, look at stockfells? What uh, do you do? Uh, no, uh, stockfells, yes. Uh, my brother is a business analyst and we've been talking. He's been helping me because I'm like, okay, I, we got uh, a property with my partner and uh, life insurance and all of that. And I'm like, okay, what else can we do? Because also there was a whole thing about Forex. So it's that thing, that fear. If you don't know something about it, you know, then you want to stay away. So now I'm in that space. I'm like, okay. What else can we do? Um, where can we place money, you know, instead of just keeping it in my account? So it's a, it's a new space. It's a new thing. And also, I mean, Bruce, come on. I'm not like a millionaire. I'm an artist. Don't forget that. You're in the entertainment industry. One minute you have a job, next minute you don't. How, how, how <laughs> you know, has that played? How has that played out? Huh? I mean, uh, in this, uh, in the COVID crisis. I mean, how has how has work worked out? Oh, for man, look, I I need to I need to say how blessed I I have been. I worked throughout lockdown um, when permitted, and I haven't really you know felt. Yes, I've felt it in that there's no more MC gigs. This is where. A lot of the other cash that you'll use, for instance, for my little business that I'm starting, um, that that would be the injection. But there's no more MCs and you know uh, um, appearances and things like that. So it literally is what what you get up and go and do, you know. So it, it, I know of friends who've been hit hard by it. Um, I was, yeah. It, it can only be blessing that you know we're able to even move into this beautiful home in December. Um, things that you didn't think would be possible, you know, under this climate. But also, I just feel like, you know, it is the energy that you put out there and, you know, what what you project, what you want and what you work, you know, to get. And knowing that my industry is what it is, I depend on it, but not holistically, not completely. Mm. And and that that has been good for me. Talk to me about shoes, this habit with shoes. How... How serious oh is God. it? How serious is this? Look, it, it's, 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 uh, we just had a fight with my partner two weeks ago because I've got two boxes of shoes that like, like big boxes that I haven't worn that I love and I'm not ready to give them away. And he's like, you buy shoes every week. I'm like, yeah, I do. Some, some shoes you want to wear, Bruce. Some shoes you just want to look at. I mean, it's shoes, guys. I love shoes. <laughs> I don't know. Can't, can't, can't you just take pictures of them and look at the pictures? I mean, what is... <laughs> I just don't get it, do I? I don't understand. 
get it. So I'm going to get a, a closet of some sort because I had it in my previous house. I had just the space for shoes where in the morning I opened the cabin, I can look at all my shoes. The ones I got from friends overseas, the ones I bought overseas, the ones I got from here, the ones that a friend or the friend who makes shoes, the one that he made. I mean, I don't know what it is. I just love shoes. Shoes. Is it a problem? No, it's not a problem. I say it's not a problem. My partner is not What's the most? What's the most you've ever spent on a pair of shoes? Uh, have you got? Have you got? Uh, okay, have that, you got, have you got shoes with red red thing. soles? Have you got shoes with red soles? Uh, no, no. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I'm not about the fashionista kind of whatever the the the, the trend. It's not about that. I walk into a store, a shoe has to talk to me. So the shoe can be three hundred bucks. The shoe can be ten thousand rand. The shoe has to be for me. Do you know what I mean? So I don't, I have not bought the red bottoms because I feel like it's a BMW. Um, if you've made it, you think you must have it. So no, I don't like those kinds of things. But if a shoe is five grand, ten grand, whatever, and it looks good, um, and it's whoever, Cavalli or whatever, I'll get it. If the shoe fits, she'll wear it. Andile Khalisiwe, thank oh, you yes. very much indeed <laughs> for joining us this <laughs> evening. <laughs> <laughs> Just...